Lord, teach us how to pray. This question from this unnamed disciple. Lord, teach us to pray. We see You praying. Jesus, we see You in communion with the Father and we want that. How do we pray? What do we do? Now that is one of the most important questions in life. One of the most important questions asked in the entirety of the Scriptures. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me. I need to know how to pray. Why? Why is that question so important? Well, what is prayer? Prayer is encountering the living God. That's the prayer. Prayer is encountering the living God. And who is God? God is the one who sustains the universe in existence. This is very, very important. God is existence itself. The only way anything at all exists is because God is actively willing its existence. So if God, for example, would stop thinking about the waves of the ocean or the mountains and the valleys on the land, there will be no more waves, no more oceans, no more mountains, no more valleys. If God would for even an instant stop thinking about the planet Earth or this solar system or the Milky Way galaxy or the whole universe, it would all cease to exist. Because God is being itself. The only way anything exists is by the active will and therefore the active power of God. Now this is very important because, well, we like the earth and the waves and and all these things, but it's even more important because the same goes for us. If God would ever stop thinking about me, I would simply cease to exist. That means that God is thinking about me. God is thinking about you. In particular, right now, and in the next instant, and in the next instant, and in the next instant. And those times when you and I feel most alone, because if we're honest, we all have those times when we feel alone. If we're honest, we all have those times when we feel abandoned. If we're honest, we all have those times when life is difficult. Even in those times, we know that God is thinking of us. Because if He wasn't, we would not exist. We also know that God is love. That's in the Bible. It's in the first letter of St. John. So if God is love, that means that all God does is He loves. So that means if God, if, if I exist, God is thinking about me. And if God is thinking about me, God is loving me. Therefore, so long as I remain in existence, God is loving me. Even if no other human being in the world is loving me, even if I feel like no other human being in the world is loving me. Even if I feel alone or I feel abandoned or I feel anything, at every instant, God is loving you in particular. He's loving me in particular. And we have certainty of that. 
merely in the fact that we exist. If you exist, you are loved. So, how to pray is one of the most important questions in life, one of the most important questions in the Bible, because prayer is quite simply remembering with our minds and choosing with our will to be open to the God who is already loving us. Prayer is simply remembering in our mind and choosing with our will to be open to this relationship with the God who is already loving us, who is already sustaining us. So the question, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus responds to that question in a threefold manner. The first, he, first he says, to whom we ought to pray. Second, he says, how we ought to pray. And third, he says, for what we ought to pray, or as we'll see a little, a little later, for whom we ought to pray. To whom ought we to pray? When you pray, say this, Father. We are praying not to a tyrant. We are praying not to a slave driver. We are praying not to some body or some thing who only loves us when we're perfect, who only loves us when we don't sin, to who, who is like just waiting for us to mess up. That's not who we're praying to. We're praying to our Father. And Father, no matter what our relationship with our earthly Father, we know that fathers are supposed to love us without condition. And I, I don't know what everybody's relationship is like with, with your dad, but um, I, I just know that, that there's something deep within us that knows that fathers are supposed to love without condition. And I honestly think that at least in almost, in, in almost all cases, like our fathers really are always and have always been doing their best to love us without condition. I know that's true for me. I know that my dad always did his very best to love me without condition. So we know to whom we're praying. A father. Not a tyrant, not a slave driver, not somebody who's looking to put us down. Someone's only looking to build us up. We could go through the petitions of the Our Father that Jesus taught us today, but that would take us a very long time, and so we're going to do that in the podcast. Starting tomorrow, if you want to know more about the Our Father, starting tomorrow we're going to start a new uh, mini-series within the podcast called Our Family Prayer, where we're going to walk through the Our Father. For now, we just answer the question, to whom are we praying? We're praying to our Father. Question number two. How ought we pray? Or to say that another way, with what disposition should we come to prayer? And Jesus says, you should come, you should come to prayer like this guy who is, who, who's just going to his friend because he needs something. Who's just going to his friend because he is confident that his friend is going to love him, that his friend is going to help him. And Jesus says, if, if he doesn't answer you because he's your friend, he will answer you 
the translation said because of your persistence. But that's actually a, a really bad translation. Um, as you know, the New Testament was not written in English. In fact, the New Testament was written before the English language was invented. The New Testament was written in Greek. And the word there in Greek that got translated as persistence is, is actually, um, it actually means shameless or shamelessness. The word in Greek is an idea. And an idea literally means, it's a compound word. Um, idea means self-respect. And in Greek, if you put an A in front of the word, it means not. So, an idea, this word that is translated persistence, this word that shows us how we ought to pray, it actually is not self-respect. Pray without self-respect. Pray without shame. Pray with shamelessness. Pray shamelessly. Pray careless about the good opinion of others. Pray without caring what other people think of you. Pray without thinking about if others have a good opinion of you or not. If other people see you pray or they don't see you pray, they like how you pray, they don't like how you pray, you got to pray shamelessly. Here are three examples of shameless prayer. The first one is Jesus. Walk with me back into the life of Jesus to Holy Thursday. It's Holy Thursday night. Jesus has just instituted the priesthood and the Eucharist. He and His apostles, they sing a hymn. They go out and they just finished the Passover meal, or they almost finished the Passover meal. It's extending into Good Friday. And He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes Peter, James, and John with Him. And what does He do? Jesus, the Bible says, He falls to His knees and then He falls to His face. Father. I'm going to paraphrase Jesus. Father, I don't want to suffer. Father, I don't want to die. I don't want to be spat upon. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be scourged. I don't want to be crowned with thorns. I don't want to carry the cross. I don't want to asphyxiate to death. And most of all, I don't want the torment of bearing the sins of the world. Jesus in His humanity is so stressed, is filled with such anxiety and such difficulty that He sweats blood. It's a medical condition. It's a real thing. It's called hematidrosis. And it's really what happens if when human beings are put under incredibly extreme stress, or rather what can happen. The blood vessels dilate so much that blood seeps through the blood vessels out and mixes with the sweat coming out of the pores of the skin. He's filled with such stress and anxiety that he sweats blood and he begs God, take this suffering away from me. Take this chalice away from me. He is God and he begs God. He is God the Son and he begs God the Father in his sacred humanity. He prays for himself shamelessly. There's more to that story, which we'll get to in a second. That's the first example. The second is Abraham. Abraham, in the first reading, in the first reading, he's talking to God. He's saying, God, will you spare this city of Sodom? Because the city of Sodom is filled with wickedness. Lots and lots and lots of horrible wickedness, and God is going to destroy it. But Abraham knows something. 
He knows that his nephew lives in Sodom. His nephew is named Lot. And Abraham's nephew Lot, he is not wicked. He's righteous. And so Abraham says, oh my goodness, God is going to destroy this city. My nephew lives there. I want to save him. So Abraham talks to God. And he says, well, you heard it, right? If there are only 50 righteous people, will you save it? 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Abraham is never irreverent. No, no, no. It's not like, hey, God's my buddy, my pal. You know, wink, wink. No. Abraham is fearful and respectful of God. But Abraham also knows that God cares for him. Back, back up. To whom are we praying? My Father. To someone who we honor and who, who we respect and who deeply, unconditionally cares for us. So Abraham shamelessly prays to God over and over again, asking and asking and asking why? in intercession, in intercessory prayer for his nephew. Shameless prayer. So Jesus prays shamelessly for himself in the garden. Abraham, in the first reading today, prays shamelessly in intercession for his nephew. And here's the last story, the third thing. Um, when I was in seminary, when I was just starting out in seminary, we would have adoration in the morning. We'd have holy hour in the morning and it, and it was optional and the little chapel where at that time we would have the holy hour was shaped kind of, kind of like this church. Uh, so we would sit in chairs kind of around like the walls of this circular little chapel and the altar was kind of in the middle here. And just kind of like in this church, if, if I'm sitting over here, right, and for mass and I'm looking at the altar, I can kind of see in my peripheral vision what's going on over there. And so that, that's how it was. We were all kind of there and we were all trying to look at Jesus, but if somebody kind of moved, you know, in the side of our vision, we would see it. And there was this one seminary, and he's a priest now. His name is Father Gadbury, and he serves in uh, Arkansas. And one thing that really impressed me about Father Gadbury is that however God was calling him to pray is how he was going to pray. So sometimes he would fall down on his face in adoration, and he would just lay prostrate for a little while, adoring the Lord. At other times, he was on his knees, at other times he was sitting, at other times he was standing. And Father Gadbury, before he was a priest there as a seminarian, he, there was no show about this. Like there was no pretense. He wasn't on that for attention or any other nonsense like that. He was just praying. Shamelessly. Careless about the good opinion of others. He didn't care what we thought about how he positioned his body to pray. He was just adoring the Lord. Shameless adoration. Wow. What if we could pray like that? Without any care about the good opinion of others. Whether it's for ourselves, like Jesus in this example, whether it's like Abraham in intercession for his nephew, like in that example, or whether it's like Father Gadbury back when I was in seminary, in adoration. How do we pray? Shamelessly. Careless of the good opinion of others. Here's the last thing. For whom do we pray? Or for what do we pray? 
Jesus is very clear. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We pray first for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the personal principle of communion with God. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is by the person of the Holy Spirit that we, when we were baptized, were cleansed of sin and became sons and daughters of God. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are able to pray. No one can say Jesus is Lord, says the Bible, except by the Holy Spirit. We do not know how to pray as we ought, says the Bible, but the Spirit Himself prays within us. So we ask first for the Holy Spirit. We ask first for the will of God. We first say, Father, I know that You care for me. I trust in You. Speak with great reverence here. Sometimes, God's answer to our prayers is no. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we pray for healing, and the answer is no. Sometimes we pray for something with a job or, or with our family, and the answer is no. Why? Why would that say no? I can tell you this. At any time God says no, even that answer is meant to draw us towards heaven. Anytime God says no, even that answer is meant to draw us to something better. Even every time God says no, even that answer is meant to draw us into the Holy Spirit. And here's how I know. Because the Father said no to Jesus. If you've ever prayed shamelessly and God has said no to the answer to your prayer, you have prayed exactly like Jesus in the garden. Father, I don't want to suffer. Father, I don't want to die. Father, I take this chalice from me. But not my will but yours be done. Anytime God has said no, that has actually united us to Jesus. And look at the fruit of God's no. The fruit of God's no is the cross. And the fruit of the cross is the resurrection. I'll say it again. The fruit of the Father's no is the cross. And the fruit of the cross is the resurrection. Did you hear the second reading? By the power of the cross, God canceled the bond that stood against us. By the power of the cross, we were freed from sin. By the power of the cross, we were freed from death. By the power of the cross, we are able to be with God forever. All because the Father said, No. Without the Father saying no, the devil is still in charge of this world. 
Adam, our first father, handed over control of this world to the devil and Jesus won it back by dying on the cross. By dying on the cross. Here's what the Bible says. Is the next line after the second reading today. He disarmed the principalities and powers. That means the demons. Making a public example of them and triumphing over them in the cross. He won because Jesus said yes even to the Father's no. Because Jesus desired to live in the Holy Spirit even when it was called. As he was praying in the Father. I'll bet you. Because this is the only way to happiness. I guarantee you, you can go try any other way to happiness. None of them will work except this one. To pray like Jesus. To pray shamelessly. And when God says no, to embrace the cross so that we might enter into the resurrection. So that we might live the joy that is set before us. Amen.